welcome to the Play Practice Formula Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Mumford, owner of Play Practice Basketball and the Seacoast Hoops Lab based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'm excited to launch this podcast as a platform to share my thoughts, ideas, and frameworks for helping your youth basketball player transform from uncertain participant to decisive competitor. We get results in as little as 30 minutes with our target age group of 10 to 14 year olds that want to play high school basketball. Ingredient number one, player-centered. If you had to do your job with your supervisor standing behind you and yelling at you every time you typed a misspelled word in your email, how long would you continue working at that job? Player-centered basketball training, as simple as it sounds, is somewhat revolutionary in basketball culture. While every coach would claim that they do it for the kids... In practice, their actions typically prove otherwise. What player-centered means to me is finding what the player needs to take their next step and then reinforcing, confirming, and building on whatever small point of success they're capable of at that start point and calibrating our expectations for that player in relation to where they're starting from and what their goals are for the future. What the standard sport coaching tends to look like is having really high expectations for players to perform in a very complex strategy, typically involving pattern memorization, scripted movements, and then they often punish players for not being able to achieve success within that framework. Coaches end up frustrated, players end up frustrated, trying to overcome a lack of their player's skill and knowledge with what the coach sees as motivational speaking, which I see as actually boring lectures, and they'll institute punishments and all kinds of different things to try to overcome the basic framework that just doesn't work. And they end up generally what I call yelling at mistakes, where they're giving vague instructions, expecting a high level of precision, out of that vague instruction and frustration leads to yelling, punishment, all kinds of negative outcomes trying to basically kick the players into alignment to do what the coach wants without the coach really instructing the specifics of what they are asking for. Given the choice, no player would choose to work in that environment. They would choose to find a different program, find a different team. And I think this point is proven by the higher level players, like college to some extent, although they're still under what I call the militaristic style of coaching, uh, because that's just the model that's been presented for about three generations of coaches. At the NBA, it becomes a lot different. Like these are paid professional specialists. And so you can't really yell at them and punish them, even though coaches still try to do that. You know, some teams and programs in the NBA will have fines for players that do certain things or don't show up to practice or whatever that looks like. But there's a quite a different demeanor when you're doing skill training with NBA players. It's all about, you know, what are they already doing well? What can we improve? What can we continue to progress? And they're treated with a lot more respect than the average fifth grader even in New Hampshire basketball. So taking an actual 
approach to guiding, mentoring, and helping the player improve toward what the player himself sees as the end goal is kind of a natural thing with NBA players. And working with NBA players, being in that environment for a short period, what I found was that there's no reason not to take that same approach with the most beginner level players. The youngest player I may work with, I want to treat them the same way. You want to make your middle school team next year in seventh grade. Here's where we are in sixth grade. Here's the next step I see that we can improve on. And if you're in line with that, then let's go after that. I'm coming down to align with where you are. So I'm making the whole universe centered around you as the player that I'm working with right now to try to take that player-centered approach and really just connect and start with wherever they're at. I'm fine starting there and I can help you take that next step forward. The uh, militaristic style kind of standard culture of coaching is really opposite that. You know, again, as much as coaches say they do it for the kids, if you watch their actions closely, you can look at a lot of evidence that is pointing to the coach organizing things in such a way to center on their comfort level, kind of controlling and managing the chaos that could happen in a game or just could happen in the environment of 10 to 12 players on a team. Most of it is chaos control to help the coach feel a little more in control, feel a little bit better about what they're doing, but it doesn't really serve the player. And so what, uh, what we end up with is a lot of long lines in practice drills, a lot of downtime where players are just sitting and waiting on the coach to get the next thing started. A lot of too much time, the coach talking, you know, giving anecdotes and pontificating on whatever their thought is of the day while the players are standing around and then doing way too much time spent on learning really complex drills that have no application to the game of basketball at all. Uh, Three-man weave is one of my favorite examples, probably one of the most popular things. You know, it looks beautiful. You've got players running and passing, and they can eventually do it really well, and it looks cool, and it's fast-paced. And, you know, there's some running and passing involved, and therefore coaches look at it as, maybe going to translate to a game someday. But the if you look at the learning curve for a group of players that has never done the three-man weave, the amount of time spent to get them to do that really well and compared to the number of times in a game that they will ever do that, which is zero in my opinion, uh, there's really no reason to ever spend a single moment on the three-man weave. It would be far better off running an actual fast break and looking at exactly what's going to happen in the game so that players get specific experience in what they're doing. And so that's just an example of, you know, the coach looks good if they can get the whole team doing a three-man weave. They feel good about themselves that, you know, the players are moving in a beautiful pattern and everything looks good, but it's not centered around the players who are maybe standing, you know, four players deep on a 12-man team while three players are running the floor, four players are waiting in line, in each line, and uh, taking a long time to move forward. And again, we're spending 30 minutes to an hour to two hours over several practices to master the three-man weave that we're never, ever, ever going to use in a game and really doesn't serve the player at all. And so a practice design approach 
would say that we want to optimize how many players are in action every minute of practice, how many of our resources can we use in a given practice, you know, whether that be baskets or basketballs or assistant coaches. Like, I want to get all 12 players in action for all 60 minutes of a one-hour practice and have a ball in their hands, you know, 45 out of those 60 minutes, if possible, they want to be engaged. And, you know, that, again, ties back to the player-centered approach where the player wants to be engaged. Like, they came to practice for action. They didn't come to practice to stand in line. They didn't come to practice to listen to a coach on his soapbox. They certainly didn't come to practice to learn things that are very complex and time-consuming and have no relevance to the game of basketball that they love to play. And so even a small tweak here and there to shape your practice and your approach as a coach toward what is serving the player and what is game-relevant, which we'll talk about in a few episodes as what we call playable, Uh, And from a parent perspective, you know, really what most of my work is on talking to parents, discovering problems from parents, educating parents on, you know, what they can do to help their player more, you know, the parent approach here is to really watch closely in a tryout setting in, you know, the first couple of practices, trying to watch what the coaches are doing and look for that player centeredness, look for that relevant application to basketball and you know you can even time some things like is your player in line for more than 30 seconds in a drill before they're back in action is the coach talking for more than two minutes you know maybe outside of a initial you know half court circle kind of introduction to what we're going to do today or a summary at the end of practice like the instruction side during practice action in my mind, should always be 30 seconds or less so that action is maximized. And then, you know, when it really comes down to it, as a parent, you know, did your player enjoy that practice? Like, if they're coming out of it kind of bored, you know, maybe they ran around and sweated, but they didn't really learn anything that was going to help them. Like, they can't see any connection with the drills we ran to what basketball looks like in their experience so far. You know, you're probably better off looking at a new program. So... Again, just summarize those three points I just said for parents to look for. One is, is it player-centered and relevant to the game? Two, is the coach making the instructions short and concise and brief in order to get back to action? You know, 30 seconds or less. And three, how long is your player standing in line? If they're standing in line longer than, you know, 30 seconds, I'd say 60 seconds at a maximum before they're back in action, then you can pretty much tell the coach is not taking a player-centered approach, not thinking about what the player's experience is like in practice, and not trying really uh, intentionally to optimize the practice time that he has available. available. And... I guess another point that's occurring to me as I say that is one of the common complaints from coaches is that they don't have enough practice time. So this is where it really uh, really is a pet peeve of mine when I walk in and see a practice that's not designed well and not using all the resources available. And yet, you know, if I ask that coach how it's going, they'd say we just don't have enough practice time, you know, to get done what we need done in the time available. So, um, you know, I hope this, uh, I hope this helps for 
coaches to maybe take a look at themselves and how they're approaching practice to improve. And certainly for parents, if you're out there looking for the right program for your player, uh, having some criteria to see, you know, is this player centered? Is this actually going to serve my player in the time that they have in practice or is the coach wasting time, you know, wasting resources and my player could be getting more action, getting a faster pace of development with more reps, you know, in a different program and different environment. Reach out to us at info at playpracticebasketball.com or you can give us a call at 603-932-5893. That's it. I'll see you on the court.